unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my great to see all of you here this evening. Hope you had a wonderful day, and we've been looking forward to this evening. We could be back together. Today's special for us, Brother Barrier. This is the first time in a while we have actually come back together as one group. Been kind of divided for several months, but it felt good to be together this morning. As advertised, we have Wayne Barrier with us this evening. He is the only missionary that I know of that has a set annual meeting here to report about his work. Do you have any idea how many years this congregation has been supporting you? 30-something. Wow. Well, congratulations. When you find something that works, you stick with it, don't you? So we're thrilled to have Brother Wayne and his wife with us tonight. They've actually just gotten back. From a trip and I'm sure that as much as our services have had some hindrances connected with them I know that mission work has really had some setbacks due to restrictions and so forth so uh, we're looking forward to having him report and talk about what he's been doing and perhaps what is in the planning works before we start that let's have a prayer and then we'll give all the time to brother barrier Our Father, we thank you so much for the day that you've given us. It's it's been an exciting day for us, being able to get back together as we have. And now the opportunity to hear about good works that are being done. And Father, as as, as much as Brother Barrier and those he works with are able to go on the field, we feel a part of that as well, because he's a part of us. And we're very thankful that we're able to contribute some small part to the work that he does. We pray, Father, that you'll continue to bless him and that he can be able to go to those places freely, move about as he chooses to encourage those that have been touched by the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for all that he's able to accomplish and all the good that's being done in your name. We pray you'll bless him now as he presents these things to us just to encourage us and help us to know uh, what's being done in a time that's filled with so much difficulty. Thank you for the blessing of that and all that you will accomplish through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm delighted to be here tonight. I believe I missed last year being here anyway, and uh, 
It has been a very interesting almost two years now. I guess the last trip I made to Asia was I left in October of, of, of uh, 19 and, and made that trip. I was scheduled to go in March of uh, 20 and that trip was canceled and everything since then until just this last month we made a trip. And we're looking at another trip this year and early some trips early next year. So things are beginning to loosen up a little bit in some of the countries where we're working and we hope that uh, it'll just continue to improve and get better in that regard. I guess Joey or Jeremy, I forgot who was here last year, they're both still in South America, but or one of them would be with me, but they probably told you last year that we had to really make some major adjustments in our work because we couldn't go and, and do what we normally do. And between the 14 of us that work together, somebody is in every country several times a year normally. And the people who work with us, and we have some really good partners in our work, they're used to seeing us pretty often. Well, that's, that was different, you see, when, when this thing came up, because the virus is all over the world, and shutdowns occurred across the world. So we started adjusting our program so we could work with them from a distance. We added a lot of uh, mass communications preaching efforts, we added television programs, radio programs. Uh, we're printing probably 50% more literature now than we were uh, two years ago. Started making those adjustments. We made sure we have 31 operating points in our work, 31 different places where there's a, there's a leadership a team there, and we go out to a region from there that usually covers millions and millions of people in each one. We had to make sure we could communicate well with each operating point. Now, most of them already had internet connections and had equipment, but we made sure they, that all of them did. And, um, and we began to work in that way, talking to them day to day, uh, figuring out ways for them to reach out more and, and to do more. And so gradually adjustments were made and, and kind of a new format for our program uh, began to take shape. We did some tallying about uh, a month ago to see where we stand. Normally we have between three and 4,000 baptisms a year. It looks like we're gonna be right at 3,100 baptisms in the last year. So we're almost where we normally are. We probably have about 25 or 30% more responses to our mass media preaching. So. More people are hearing us, at least responding to us. We don't know for sure how many here, but more people are responding than were before. So when you put that together, uh, it, it means that it's good. We, we're pleased with the outcomes that we've had. The only area where we really feel, um, we feel we're concerned about is we train the trainers. Now, to have 30-something different places where a team of people are there that can, can do the things that they do, they have to be trained. They have to have a lot of skills and a lot of abilities. And uh, they have those skills and abilities uh, through our training programs. And we haven't been able to train like we have in the past. Now, our Bible schools, about half, they're running about half capacity overall. But that, that small group that, that all of us spend a lot of time with, mentoring, developing, we haven't been able to do that. So we're gonna have to catch up on that when we get back into the field. And we did a lot of that in the last 10 days. We were down in South America and the boys are still down there. 
working with people who will be leadership in our program or the, that are currently in the leadership role, and we want to we want to really put some emphasis on that as as we get back in the field full time. We hope we can do that soon. We still have the commission to go into all the world. It doesn't make any difference what's happening in the world. That's still a command from the Scripture for us. The Lord wants everyone to hear the gospel. 191 nations, I believe, across the world, 7 billion people. A lot of people need to hear. A million people a week at least die who've never heard the gospel. And so there's no room to, to let up in any way. And I already mentioned our program. We Everywhere we go, we try to find some way to communicate with masses. Uh, we follow that up. Follow-up has been very, very difficult through this. We can't go. They can't go. And so we're depending on reaching out into the communities across the countries where we're working, finding individuals who can talk to their neighbor or talk to a person down the road. And that may be really good in the long run. It'll result in a lot of people developing uh, capabilities uh, they probably wouldn't have. And then finally, our schools. We have 12. Uh, most all of them are at a junior college level. And we've trained, we usually train about 600 people a year. We've probably trained 300 people in the last year, year and, and two months or so. Radio is the number one tool. And you can see here the dots represent broadcast points for our work. I know some of you are familiar with the, the work in Winona, Mississippi. We work closely with the Winona team and they cover India. You can see those two dots in India there. There's a lot of uh, reach with that, but we have programs all over the world. We, we can reach a, a lot of people. Our biggest emphasis today is China. We managed to get into China about 15 years ago by having individuals that were taught in Burma teach their neighbors just across the border in China. And that, gr that started growing and developing. We realized this is an opportunity that that not many people uh, are going to have in the world, that kind of, kind of a back door into China. So we started putting a lot of emphasis on this. It's paid off. We know there's at least a couple of hundred congregations that we've started in China through our work. There's been many, many baptisms, usually 300 baptisms or so a year in this program. We've got a number of Chinese evangelists, a dozen or more, that do a really good job. So uh, this work is high on our priority list. This man right here on the left leads it. His name is Jay Ati, and Jay uh, is his name. Ati means number one. He's the number one son in his family. And uh, little Ati's right there beside him, and, uh, and that's his wife and daughter. Between these four people, they can speak about 10 languages. That, their daughter, is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. She's about 19 years old. She speaks German, she speaks French, she speaks Chinese, she speaks Japanese. She speaks their two languages, Rowan is one of them, and Lisu is the other one. She speaks Burmese. There, it's just unreal what this family can do. And they do the translation for our literature that goes into China. There's Voice of Truth, you're familiar with that. It's been translated into uh, Chinese. Nancy's holding it up there. And actually what we do is we translate it in uh, Burma, get it into a form where it can be printed, uh, take that to China. It's printed in China, shipped back to Burma, 
and then carried across the, bar, uh, the border between China and Burma manually, and that's the only way you can do it. If the Chinese, uh, if we were to try to distribute from China, they'd shut us down, so we have to distribute it from Burma. So it has to be repackaged and sent out, and that's what they're doing here. And this is probably our number one tool to stimulate requests for us to come and do campaigns and gospel meetings. We, we make wide sweeps with this, leaving copies of this and some other pieces of literature. And then they read, study, and call us. And then our team goes back and, and does the meetings and the, the uh, seminars and Bible campaigns. These are folks getting copies. This is actually another book. Uh, Wish Joey was here, he always tells this. He says, this is a book that my dad wrote. I wrote this little book. It's called Introduction to Christianity. Then Joey will say, if you read it, you wouldn't learn a thing. Uh, and, and that's probably true. It's designed for people who don't know anything about Christianity. So you have to start at a very basic level, but it's a very popular book in this place and some of the other places where we work. And so we've got it translated and going out to, to lots and lots of people. And these are just pictures of material being distributed. And uh, the people of China are wonderful. Um, we are at a, I guess, at, a, at a, a crossroads with China right now as far as the political situation is concerned. And, and um, I don't know where that's gonna go. The Chinese government and our government don't see eye to eye and shouldn't. If we saw things like they did, we'd be in would be pretty bad people. But anyway, um, the people themselves are open and receptive, and there's just tremendous opportunities in China. And we're in one region. The region we're in is about 360 million people, but it's beginning to bleed over into other areas of China. The work is from, from that, that region, and so it's, it's gonna be good, we believe, as time goes on. We learned how to deal with um, totalitarian governments and uh, countries, you might say, in Burma, and that, I think, resulted in our success in China. And uh, we're going into Vietnam, and we're really working from the same framework and approach. This also was a very military-guided country with lots of history of hard things. And so we have two operating bases in Vietnam, down in the south at uh, Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, and up in the north at Hanoi, the old capital of, of uh, North Vietnam. We've been there for over 10 years. We've got two or three leaders who work with us that uh, date back to the Vietnam War. Both of them were converted by American soldiers. And again, the Vietnamese people love Americans. They love us and what we stand for, and they're receptive to being taught. The government is, is probably, this is probably the most resistant government of any place that we work. Uh, you can get in really serious trouble there if you're open with what you teach. This is the second one of those older leaders that works with us. Uh, when people are baptized, you have to, you have to be out of sight. If, uh, if you're out in the open and someone sees you, they can go, an informant can go to the government, they'll get a reward and the people involved in the baptism will all go to jail. So uh, we have to be discreet, and that's what's happening here. Um, we decided this, and, and we talked to congregations who help us with travel, to send all of our travel money, and money that some of them used to travel over there, some of our campaign money, uh, 
to do COVID relief. Um, in these countries, it's not like here. Uh, we've had all kinds of relief here. We've had stimulus, uh, not stimulus checks, well, I guess they call them stimulus checks, COVID relief checks and everything else uh, to back us up to keep us from starving to death. And uh, they don't have that in these countries. They work, uh, and when they don't work, they don't get paid. Uh, they usually get paid by the day or by the week. And uh, we got started hearing from people very quickly after this thing started. Uh, we're starving to death. We're literally have, we literally have no food to eat and no way to get food. Now, there's always a black market. In every country, there's a black market. And so we started getting money to them, and they were able to go into the black market, and you'll pay two or three times what you normally would for food, but at least they didn't die. And so we, we started giving some relief. Uh, surprisingly, uh, our two key co-workers in Saigon uh, got permission to finish building a building there that would be used for Vietnam Bible College. It's a four-story building. That's a picture of it there, the trees in front of it. Real skinny building, goes pretty deep and goes up four stories. And we'll bring folks from all over the country and do training there and, and we'll operate our school from there. Finish that project during this horrible year. It's unbelievable that we were able to get that done, but, but we did. Nepal, we never planned to go into Nepal. There are other missionaries there, other works there, but the Philippine, uh, Philippine team of doctors that we work with, based out of Cebu, uh, travels all over the Philippines to, and they're members of the church to, to help out when there are natural disasters. And um, they started going to other places in the world. We work with that team in, in the Philippines especially and they uh, went up into Nepal after that an earthquake there five years ago and did a lot of work and it was it was a very productive work in terms of reaching people for the Lord so uh, when they finished up and they always there's a definite time that they end what they do and, and go on they ask us because we're, we work closely with them in other ways if we'd come over and, and pick up where they left off. And so we did, and we formed Nepal Bible College as a result of it. And our outreach there covers all of Nepal. We go all the way from east to west, north to south, and we have radio, and we have a good follow-up team. It's one of the, the best works that we've been able to launch, and we had the Philippine help in uh, a pretty good while, since China, really. And so we're real pleased with this project. This is Joey's project uh, primarily, and um, we haven't been there in over a year, but we, we actually teach classes in the, the uh, school on Wednesday nights. We start, the classes start about 11 o'clock on Wednesday night, and they go till about two o'clock on Thursday morning. And uh, we have teachers for that. Uh, again, receptive people, people that have difficult lives, hard lives, uh, the hope of heaven and, and knowledge that you're in the kingdom of the Lord is a very, very confident thing to them, as it should be. And through all of this, they are, they're up and down, they're shut down for a while to get back up. They'll go out on campaigns and baptize folks. It's been really good to see their enthusiasm and their commitment. Relief work done there as well. These are folks getting some help. Uh, and uh, there's more rice being distributed. Graduated 12 uh, this summer, past summer, 
and have 17 new enrollees but uh, in the, in the um, preacher training program. But when we count the number that are actually watching our classes, it's closer to 100 each time. So there are a lot of people who are, who are watching us in our, and listening to our classes that are not enrolled as students. Philippines, we target the central islands. It's called the Visayas. There's 7,000 islands kind of in the middle of the country. Luzon is the big island in the north and Mindanao in the south. And those scattered islands have, is home to about 45 million people. So we've targeted that. We have two schools. The Philippine Institute started in, uh, 20, uh, in the year 2000. Good director there. And uh, Unfortunately, Cebu was one of the, the most severely affected islands of, of all the country. They were shut down really, really tight. As a matter of fact, if you get out on the street without a, some kind of a document uh, allowing you to be out, you'd be shot on sight. So it was really, really harsh there. And they still haven't opened up enough to do anything. We hear rumblings that they might begin to open up at the first of the year. But when you go from Cebu out to the other islands, uh, a lot of the they they shut down traffic between islands. The the remote islands could go right on. Didn't didn't have any shutdown at all. We had extension schools on four other islands for PIBs, so we're running those schools and we're training people uh, on the other islands. Probably have more enrollment uh, total than we would have normally had, and. Uh, and they're really happy that we're able to do that. You can see some of the, the classes there. We're reaching further north into the Philippines than normal. Uh, there's one island group that uh, one of our evangelists, he's the taller man there, is focused on. He got locked down up there 18 months ago and hasn't been home for 18 months. But uh, he's doing a good job. The church building was blown away twice during this 18 months. And, and uh, he's... He's had to help them try to rebuild. I'm having trouble advancing here. There we go. Um, that's June Arcilio. A lot of baptisms. And... Uh, hmm. It was going, going so well. I don't know what's happening. Okay, there's another one of June. There he is. Um, and on the eastern side of the country, we have the island of Samar. And our school there, uh, Samar Bible College. Edwin Enso, he's in, the one in the pictures there, the, the bigger one. And he hasn't been affected at all by the, the lockdown in the country. And there he is on his motorbike. He travels with that. Behind him is a statue of Douglas MacArthur and other military men. And that's the location of the landing when the United States started liberating the Philippines in World War II. That's on the island of Leti. And Edwin works Leti as well as Samar. And I've been there myself. It's, it's quite a place. And, and those people love Americans. They still, they still give us credit for the freedom that they have today. Um, just some really good folks and uh, baptisms. That's a little meeting place. On the other side of the island, a modern grocery store, buying food for relief. 
and then young people distributing the relief. India, two bases in the south, Mangalore, and the north, New Delhi. And um, this is an older work. This has always been in conjunction with Winona team. And P.R. Swami there, you can see uh, he's going right on. He's, he keeps baptizing right through this thing. Swami's a doctor. He knows a little bit more about how to navigate through this. Seventeen women baptized right there, all of them Hindus. And some of them probably lost their life because they were baptized. Their husbands probably killed them when they got home. That happens all the time in India. Sri Lanka, a little country south of India, two bases, Jaffna in the north and Colombo in the south. That's the leader of that work, Harold Thomas. I've been involved with him for many, many years. Uh, they have been really shut down. You can see them there in meetings with masks on. I don't think they're meeting right now. Uh, together. Uh, East Malaysia is our doorway into Malaysia and Indonesia off the island of Borneo. The leader for that work is on the front, Thomas Cole, there with the orange and yellow shirt. Burma, the favorite work of all of our team members, and we're all over that country. Started with a handful of Christians uh, back in 1996, and now there's many, many congregations. Buddhist country, uh, they had a presidential election the same time we did, November of 20, and um, they uh, elected a, f a free government, which they had, uh, the National League for Democracy, and that party won. The military didn't like it, so the military took over the government, took over the country, and the people started protesting, and I mean protesting. Massive groups of people like these right here, all across the country and all the cities, into the streets, um, really trying to reverse what the military was doing, but they haven't been successful at all. The military just tightens down more and more. Cut off their food supplies, cut off their medical help, close the hospitals. Uh, they cut off communications. This is the only country in the world where we worked that we could not communicate with for about a two or three month period. In February, when the military took over, they also took their internet down and we just couldn't connect with them for, for about two months and then we figured out how to get through to them from Thailand and uh, we have a Bear Valley <clears throat> program there and they've had some let ups and this is one of the times when they could actually get out on campaigns uh, during those uh, let-ups and their shutdowns. That's Philip, who leads our, our biggest school there. And these are some of the groups and their campaigns and baptisms, and quite a few baptisms, classes. Uh, <clears throat> these are elderly women that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that have just been taught. And this is the uh, oldest member of our team of workers there. His name is Joe Sane. He helped me start the first school there. He had been a professor at Rangoon University, and he knew the laws of the country, and there was a little loophole in their law that said, even though Christianity was outlawed, you could have a Bible college in that country and to teach sacred Bible as sacred literature. So he helped us form Myanmar Bible College his wife died during the, the COVID thing um, about a year ago, and he's really struggled uh, with that. That's his family. Uh, relief money sent there, lots of it. 
<clears throat> Calais Bible College in the north uh, has not shut down through all of this, has operated all the way through. And, um, and then these are some of their campaigns uh, from Calais, which has been, this has been the, the richest area of our work as far as results are concerned, led by Tin Lin. And I've told you several stories of Tin Lin, Tin Lin over the years. <clears throat> I'm completely stopping up. Um, and so um, we'll have a video now, and there'll be a little bit more about Tin Lin and that. Thank you for helping us. Valley. So he thought I want to attack this place. So Oh, come on. So he's going to take over? Yeah, you take over. Before <laughs> this Nepal was divided into uh, 24 different states. So he unified all of them into one country. Wow. That's what he's saying here. This picture. Then we have the group that is called the uh, Universal or Catholic group, written to various people and by various people. The Christians to whom the this letter was written. Were in deep spiritual trouble. Matthew is a cool book. The Thank you. <laughs> Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Jo just lay only Mati Biswas Gurchan. Jo just lay only Mati Biswas Gurchan. Nasabu Welcome to Brother Mike and all the brothers.
It's been a good year. You can see some of the results there in those pictures. And uh, the uh, one of the things that uh, I guess we don't emphasize a lot of times is you saw that small group. It said a new congregation in Nepal. That was one family. And a lot of times that's what happens. We'll we'll have a meeting. There may be two or three hundred people there, and we'll baptize thirty or forty people. And that may be three or four families. And they'll go back to their places and, and, and start new congregations. And we start 50 congregations or so a year. And then uh, over the years, they grow. The very first time I went to India, uh, back in the mid-1980s, uh, I helped in a little small campaign. And uh, there were actually about five members of the congregation where we went. There was a crowd, pretty good crowd that was there, maybe 50 or 60, baptized a few people. That group today numbers over 400 in, in total number, and they actually are the site of a Bear Valley uh, school. We're working with Bear Valley on a school there to train leaders to go into other places in that region of India. So it starts out small, it grows, 
And if we go back and we do follow-up teaching and training, training is so important, and all that we do, then, then a big difference uh, is made. We lost one of our best workers that we've ever had any place in the world on June 27th, and you saw the picture of, of Brother Tin Lin. And I've told you stories of him, uh, how the first time I went with him to, to Calais, his hometown, how that I was actually arrested and interrogated by the military for a day, almost a day, finally released and was allowed to conduct a campaign with about 700 people. And we started several hundred congregations from that one five-day meeting that we had. And because uh, of what I did, uh, I should have been arrested and sentenced to death. And instead of that happening to me, it happened to, to Tin Lin. He agreed to take my punishment for the, for the crimes that I committed. So he took my place. Uh, I watched him being arrested. I watched him put chains on his ankles and, and wrist and lead him away. And he lived the rest of his life, most of the rest of his life, under a, a death sentence. Uh, one thing after another would lead to the execution being put off. And he was under house arrest because he, he was not a violent criminal to the, in their eyes. But anyway, um, with his help, we probably started a thousand congregations in Myanmar. We, we look for guys like that everywhere we go. There's that one special person uh, that we run, run into, like Jayati or like Josain or like Swami over in India, and I could just go on, Thomas Coe in Burma. That one individual that's a communicator, that connects with the people, that understands, that's devoted, dedicated, all those things. He was almost just a few days short of being 60 years old. And it hurts. It hurts me to think about losing him, uh, what he did for the Lord's church, and what he did for me. And uh, it's, uh, it's really um, hard to get over that, but we know what's in store for people who are faithful. We think about that. His son's coming back from the Philippines where he was getting his doctorate in education with a plan of taking the work in Calais and leading it with his dad. So we've got him coming back a little bit early to try to, to keep that project going. Um, thank you for helping us. I don't know how we end. Do we end with an invitation or with prayer? Okay. Well, thank you all and, and pray for us as we try to travel and pray for our brothers and sisters in, in all these places over there that, that are so hard. And uh, we'll keep pushing as hard as we can. Every soul is worth more than, than all the world. And when we know there's thousands being won, then uh, we can do a lot of rejoicing with, with that. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that you created us in your image and that you look upon us as children, that you love us, and that you love all of us. And we're thankful, Father, that you let those of us who have learned of you and been able to obey and to be added to your kingdom, we're thankful that you allow us to be the ones to help take the gospel to the rest of the world. Bless our efforts. Bless uh, those who help in every way. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in such hard places across the world. Watch over them and uh, care for them. Help us, Father, to get back as soon as we can to doing uh, what you want us to do across the world. Thank you for this congregation. We pray for it. We pray 
uh, for our country and pray for all those across the world who suffer during this uh, pandemic. And we pray that it soon can be brought under control and that our lives can be more normal than they have in the past. We thank you for your great love for us, for the sacrifice of your son. Help us, Father, to always stay connected to, to that and to who we are in reference to you. Help us to, to live out our lives in such a way that we'll honor and glorify you. We love you and we appreciate your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.